Welcome to In Your Face Livecast. We have another special edition of the show. We're, we're joined by two sets of alums. Dennis Goldstein's joining us, 91 graduate from UNC, and Brian Darkety, 1996 graduate, and Dan Radebar, his teammate, 95 graduate from Maryland. Dan is part of lacrosse's first, Families of Lacrosse, a long tradition of excellence on the field from his father all the way down to his brothers and cousins. I played with Russell at Dartmouth. Dan was a first-team All-American defenseman and the 1995 Defenseman of the Year at Maryland. Dan and his better half, Lizzie, have three children, Emmett, 13, Wally, 11, Susan, who's 10 years old. She's the youngest. Joined with him is his former teammate, Brian Doherty. Doherty is one of the most decorated and accomplished goaltenders in the history of lacrosse. The Episcopal Academy graduate went on to play his college lacrosse at the University of Maryland. He's a three-time recipient of the Major League Lacrosse Goaltender of the Year and was awarded the Marklin Kelly Award back-to-back years as NCAA Goaltender of the Year. In 95 with the Terrapins, Dockery was named tournament MVP. He was also selected to the National Lacrosse Hall of Fame in 2012. He's currently the head coach at Chestnut, Chestnut Hill College in his home state of Pennsylvania. He and his better half, Megan, have two children, Mia, seven years old, Connor, who's four and apparently an, a bacon monster, Fellas, we couldn't be happier to have you guys on. But what an incredible weekend of lacrosse. Gentlemen, big victory over Andy Towers' Brown Bears in OT. How confident now are you, you know, based on the team all season? How did you feel like they played uh, yesterday, Saturday afternoon uh, 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 at the Lick? I thought they did a good job yesterday against a very good Brown team. I felt like in the parking lot, a lot of people were thinking they were going to run through Brown, that Maryland had better athletes, and that wasn't necessarily the case. I mean, Brown is a hell of a team. And, uh, you know, the, the big gun was hobbled a bit. I love the fact that the guy played. And I tell you, the fact that they did it the way they did it, with weathering the storm of Brown in the fourth quarter and winning it in overtime, was huge for because that was a team you could feel the alumni in the stands, the fans getting tight, like, oh, here we go again. It's going to be a Memorial Day collapse, and that didn't happen. They kept it together, won a battle for the face-off in overtime, and then win the game. So I thought it was huge for this team going into Monday to win a game like they did. I'll piggyback on that a little bit just from uh, from sitting into the stands. It, it just I had that feeling that, you know, Brown wasn't going to go away, and I thought they did a great job. I think it got to be like 12-8, 13-8, something like that, and everybody was uh, feeling 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 secure. I wasn't feeling real good because um, mostly just because of the way Brown plays because of their face-off guy, and then it gets to, you know, 14-13, you know, 14-11, 14-12, 14-13. They tie it up, and then, you know, but I didn't have that feeling. I didn't have that collapse feeling. For some reason, I felt good because this team, you know, they've won 14 straight games, 15 straight games. And I think to win a game like that to where Brown comes back, pushes you right to the edge in overtime, and then you kind of – it's just it was such a relief. And, and it just seems like these guys are playing with, um, you know, just something extra. You know what I mean? To win 15 straight lacrosse games, I mean, I've never done that. I've never really even heard of that. Um, so they're obviously doing something right. They're playing great, um, and they just seem like they 
you know, no one was really jumping up and down. They, they, they were just really like in control of their, of their emotions and stuff out there. So I was fired up. I too have a ton of respect for Brown. I told you that uh, last night that those guys played great. They were fun to watch all year. I think what they've done for the sport of lacrosse, I mean, this is the way it should be played. You know, it's 16, 15, 15, 14 guys running up and down the field. You're not subbing every, every, you know, you know, five guys on every time. These guys are playing lacrosse the right way. And, and you know, it's just oh, an awesome game yesterday. I got to say for Brown, for purposes of recruiting and things, these last couple of weeks are just huge because people finally got a chance to see them play. And if you're a high school kid, and you're watching them play, you go, man, I, I, I want to go there. Yeah, they're, they're, they're rolling it out. They're playing fast, long close, sitting on the field, scoring goals. You know, they're pressuring the ball over the field. I thought, you know, for the like Doc said, for the game of lacrosse and for Brown itself, this these last couple of weeks have been huge. Yeah, that was. Uh, I, I I appreciate you guys saying it. Look, it was it was an unbelievable game. Really fun to watch. Obviously, I was biased going into the game as a Brown alum. I really wanted a different outcome. With that said, I think that when Brown didn't uh, pack it in the third when they were down 12-8, it, I, I think bodes well for the future. And I hope that you're right as it relates to recruiting. Uh, I'm assuming that you guys also watched the Loyola Carolina game. Is that correct? I no, did. I did I not. I, I was in the parking lot the whole time. <laughs> How about you, Ross? I went in and battled it, man. I was. I told Doc yesterday. I felt like I was in like a seven-hour fight with the sun, and I was losing every round. <laughs> I was in like with about fifteen kids. Um, but we went in because we wanted everyone wanted to see it. But by the time I got in there, it was already like five nothing or something. And yeah, it was, it was unbelievable to watch it. I mean, Carolina, what did they score, 12 or 14 in the first half? No, I mean, like that. Loyola had no answer. They were trying man-to-man. They were trying zone. And Carolina just kept coming. And Stephen Kelly kept dominating the act. And then the second half, it was good to see Loyola battle back. And their, their face-off kids started winning a couple and they you know, yeah. made it respectable. It never got to the point where you were going, oh, wow, we got a ball game. I think they got within, like, four or something like that. So, it was good to see them battle back. But, look, Carolina's riding something right now. I mean, they are. You know, from the last two weeks, they had that game with Marquette, which was close. But the last couple of weeks, man, they've been on. You know, and there, something clicked with them, and it, it's clicking at the right time. So, tomorrow's game. You know, it, it's set up to be a classic. I think. I think both I, teams I, are I'm, looking good. What what scares you guys most about this Carolina team tomorrow? You know, you got to look at the game. Anybody looking at this game is going to look at it and say, you know what, Maryland's the most complete team in the country. They seem like they forced teams to play their game. You know what? What scares you about this Carolina team? Tomorrow, going to the game. What's the biggest question mark? I think by far it's just, it's their mojo. Um, like like Rock said, I mean they're they're riding, you know, something going on to this thing, and you know that's what worries about me as a Maryland fan and a Maryland alum. We all we all know about the 41 year drought, and you know it's just we've been in so many of these types of games where we're the underdog, but now we're the favorite, and it's like oh no, you know we're gonna find another way. <laughs> <laughs> to, to, to maybe you know, to to get bummed out in Memorial Day, 
That being said, um, I, I still like the Terps. Um, I, I, I think they're riding something as well. Um, you know, again, winning 15 games coming into this, you know, they were one and two, you know, and then just rattled off 15 in a row. And, you know, but, but to me, Carolina, you know, Carolina's a good team. They're a talented team. You know, they don't really have any, you know, how do you lose Sankey and, and you know, all right, these first right. team all Americans. And then all of a sudden you're better. So the, right. they're playing better as a team right now. Um, and I think it's going to be a great game. It's going to be a classic game. But I also think Maryland's playing really well as a team as well. Um, and, and I just think they have a couple better players. So it's going to come totally. down to possessions and, and goaltending like it always does. And you know, <laughs> hopefully the Terps are ready to go. There's also, you know what? There's also a big lump in Carolina's throat, too. And while the elephant might not be 41 years old, you know, it's not that much younger i mean it might be a 25 year elephant 20 and they're and they're right and last time they won is it 25 years is that what it is yeah because they won in 91 that, they're, yeah. yeah they're honoring that 91 undefeated team tomorrow you know that's right. the the 25 year team coming back and you know I, I think they've got that going and in terms of just players it's the guy that could, could make the biggest difference is Stephen kelly you know if he, if he dominates tomorrow like he did Yesterday in the first half, that's gonna that's gonna go a long way to Carolina being successful. If Maryland can turn that into a scrum and win some of those battles, I think Maryland should take care of business. But if they got the ball, you know, Dallas did it. If you win it yeah. every one, you're, you're right. But I, I mean, I like the Terps D though too. You know, like I think the Me Terps too. D, it, it, like you don't want to get in a game of playing six on six lacrosse versus Maryland's defense. You know, like it's no, just, you don't. You know, like they're going to get stops. Well, their offense, you know, they're going to possess the ball, pass it around, and, and, you know, and dominate the time of possession on their end as well. So, I mean, there's a difference between kind of like Brown's face-off guy where they they win face-offs and then it's right into transition, you know, and they they kind of generate a lot of their offense from their face-offs. If you're just winning face-offs and then subbing guys out and playing six-on-sticks, I mean, I think you're against this Terps day. I mean, I think that's going to be a tall order, even if you are winning the faceoffs. I have a quick question for you. Does now for Maryland in this game against Brown, you would have thought they would have held possession the whole time and just wore them out and kept tempo, but they really didn't. They kind of kept to the pace of Brown and kind of beat them at their own game. Now the, the second half certainly slowed down than the first half certainly was, but you got to figure this is definitely a new tempo style team that Maryland's playing. And I know Tillman made an effort to say in the media, Hey, we're not trying to stall the ball, which we all know you are. It's okay. But uh, you know, they, 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 went straight, they went straight to the transition game. And I was shocked at how many times they went right after Brown in transition and tried to score. And they were often, they were often successful in it. Is this a, is this a different team right now? certainly than it was in the beginning of the year, but does that scare you that all of a sudden now two games in a row they're going to go against high-powered offenses that can put the ball in the cage? Does that worry you at all? Nah, they're uh, deep, man. The Terps are deep. Yeah. So I, I don't Terps worry can play about it. anyway, too, you know? Yeah. I mean, they still Brown forces you to run. I mean, there's no – I'm watching them when the ball's on the other end of the field and Rambo is down by the goal like to set up on the left side. And his defenseman's at the midfield line. Just ready, if there's a turnover, they're jumping into a 10-man. You know what I mean? <laughs> and the way they play, 
they force you to move to move the ball fast and to create on shadow play. They, they, you really don't have a choice because of how they play, which I think is awesome. You know, it's, it's really unorthodox. It's really aggressive. Um, but Maryland, it seems there's still points where they don't run where they could. Like, I think there was a point at the end of that game where there was a, looked like a four-on-three that was developing and they pulled it out. Yes, yes, you're right. And, you're right. And, I mean, I remember standing up like, what in the heck, man? You've got to go in that point. They're right. under a minute. But right. I think when it, when it presents itself that it's the right guy, they're going to run. But if it presents itself and it's, you know, in their opinion, not the right guys, they're still going to settle it because they're comfortable with their six-on-six, you know, and that, that's the yeah. bread and butter. So uh, we're going we're gonna to start to get it close now. I know, Rock, you're getting ready to go in and watch the Terps Eels women's game, which is going to be an unbelievable game as well. So I'm going to ask one final question, R.D., if that works. Um, that's great. You know, each guy, Doc Rock, give us a prediction of the score and who you think ends up as the game's M.O.P. tomorrow when it's all said and done. All right, I'm going to go first. I like the Terps, shockingly, winning this game tomorrow. <laughs> um, and I think it's going to be uh, 11 to 8. So all you Lax Vegas guys out there, the under to me is a lot. Because I see this game um, not being an up-and-down run-and-gun game. I see both teams coming off a hot day um, with 36 hours or whatever the amount of rest to get back out there. I think Maryland's just a little bit deeper. I think both teams are riding great momentum, great mojo, great energy going into this game. Um, I just like there's something about the Terps this year. So uh, they're just deep. They got two midfield lines. Um, they got, you know, and to me, the most outstanding player, I mean, he'll never get it, but Maryland's by far the most valuable player is Isaiah Davis Allen. That guy is unbelievable. He takes every face got off it. wing. He's going to be out there scrapping it, um, shutting down, locking down the number two midi on the other team. I mean, they don't really slide to him a whole lot. I mean, he'll never get most outstanding player, but to me, he's the most valuable guy out there. How about you, Rock? Obviously, I got the Terps winning this thing, right? And, and getting the you know the forty-one year monkey off off the Terps' backs. I I agree with Doc. These Monday games on the forty-eight hour turnaround usually aren't as high scoring. Um, I think this one might be a little more than than what we've seen in the past. But I do. I, I have a similar thing to Doc. I think we're going to win this game, twelve to ten. I think it'll be close the whole way through. We'll maybe get a late one when they're pulling a goalie or something like that. But I'd say 12 to 10 is the final. And the outstanding player thing, as you know, it's happened before, is it's also a carryover from Saturday. Um, and with yeah. Peacock scoring the game winner yesterday, I think we can have a big day again tomorrow. He and Rambo both. I, the Carolina D is, is, is good, but it's not great. You know, I, I feel like those guys should be able to get their hands free against that defense and put up some points. But I'll take Peacock as being the player of the game. And uh, and the Terps get the late cover. To cover that one and a half. You know, <laughs> <laughs> everybody I just, the back door. I, I, the back door I, love, I love how you guys, I love and appreciate how both of you guys weaved in uh, some gambling terminology into the show. It gives us instant credibility. It makes me feel more at home and normal. Uh, Ryan, you want to close these guys out? Yeah. Well, you no, know, just real I, quick. I, 
Yeah, we were we were two of the worst gamblers in college, Andy. So like we we, we really know a lot about this. Like that was legal. Was that was legal, right? That was legal. Big time all American athletes gambling. Doc, especially. Oh, I think I think the only bet Doc ever won in college was someone bet him he couldn't eat like sixteen hot dogs. <laughs> well, you know what? I, I think these kids gonna end up. These kids gonna end up avenging that bet when the bacon bet comes down the down the horn here in a little bit. Rocks. So yeah. I love that. I love the way that sets up. Well, well, gentlemen, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. It was great to have you guys. Good luck to your turfs on Monday. Uh, tune into the game. It's on ESPN. Uh, it's going to be a great one, certainly uh, in my mind. Uh, and AT, we'll get to our picks after the show. But in my mind, uh, I, I think it is going to be a little bit more higher scoring. It's going to be a little sloppy, but I, I really do think it's going to be a lot higher scoring than these guys think it is. But uh, certainly, uh, tune into the game. And if you see these guys, are you guys going to the game? Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, well, if you see these guys walking around, give them a high five. They'll give you chance to walk back. But thanks so much, guys. I really appreciate your time. Yeah. You guys are the best. Good luck to the Terps ball, fellas. Thanks for talking for coming. See you, boys. Thanks for having me, guys. Bye. Welcome back to the show. We just had the Terp alums on. Now, of course, we can't go to the Terp alums without having come back to the Tar Heel alums. On with us is Dennis Goldstein. Uh, Denny is a native of Long Island and Ward Melville All-American with 1991's version of Billy Bitter or Marcus Holman's of UNC. He was the big reason for UNC's fourth national championship in 1991 and was awarded the 1991 NCAA Player of the Year, which, of course, in today's trophy will be the Tourton. His older brother, Timmy, was a Cornell graduate in 1987 Division I Player of the Year, uh, and both of them happen to live a sandwich away from Mainline outside of Philadelphia. Uh, Denny, in his Better half. Anne-Marie had three children, Carly, who's 15, Jaden, who's 13, and Max, who's 11, who, of course, all play lacrosse. As a lacrosse historian type of guy, I couldn't be more happy to have you on the show. So thanks so much, Denny, for taking the time with us today. like to be here. It's a great weekend. Uh, we're back in it. As I said to everyone yesterday, the heels are back. It's been a long time, but, you know, <laughs> it's, it's rewarding to have it back in the year that, you know, the 91 teams together we got uh, almost everyone on our team back. Amazing. You know, Stephen Muir, God bless him, passed away last year. Yeah, very and sad. He, he can't make, you know, obviously he's not going to be here. And then Robin Cornish from Australia was the only other teammate who can't make it. Everyone else is making the trip, which I think is quite impressive uh, after 25 years. Unbelievable. So you're having, a, you're, having a, you're having a party today at, at five at your, kind of your backyard and Timmy's backyard to celebrate all those, all those guys? Absolutely. I don't know when this podcast is going on, but absolutely. Huge party at my house. Tario's wow. Is Chop, is Chop coming up? Yep, Chop's coming up. The whole crew's coming up. Anyone, anyone yeah, who's with the Carolina family well, welcome to come. Do you think that Chop will be the sweatiest guy at the party today? <laughs> absolutely. I took a picture next to him and I put my arm along his back of his shirt and it, it was like, I was like, just went swimming. I'm like, Chop, are you kidding me? That must be tough every day. <laughs> Dennis, to sort of parallel, like we like when we played, you know, your junior year, my sophomore year, we all knew Syracuse was going to win the national championship, and they did with Gary Gay. I would draw an appropriate parallel to Chopper, like easily being the sweatiest guy at your party today. Um, you know, do, do, do 
us a little a, a little justice. Give us, who's going to be the second sweatiest? Like, Loyola was the runner-up in the national championship in 90. We knew they weren't going to win it. They did a pretty good job, but they lost to the obvious champion. Who's going to be runner-up to chop as the sweatiest <laughs> Tar Heel from the 1991 team? I know. Uh, can you give us who do you think number two is? I would have to probably go with Greg Paradine. He's going to be twitching, and he's going to be sweating a lot. Oh, the dream is hair. But you know what? No matter how much he sweats, his head, his hair won't change, and I love that Absolutely. about him. Absolutely. But he's got a yeah, uh, you, you guys, you guys are rich. Danny, Danny uh, the game yesterday, let's get back on track. The wheel's back on the, on the railroad here. Uh, obviously a great day for UNC. What were your thoughts on the game against Loyola? I just felt like they, just almost like last week, they were shot out of a cannon. They they are just, like, so fired up, focused, playing well as a team, but I just love the intensity that they brought from the, from the opening whistle and the way they were just finishing. They were finishing, they were curling. I love people curling to the cage. I love people moving the ball fast, and they just play with high intensity. And quite frankly, they need it because, you know, we knew Loyola was a great team, and they showed their medal coming back, but uh, the heels persevered and, and – uh, I just loved that, the intensity that you brought, you know, and uh, you know, from all over the field, offense, defense. Were you? Uh, did you get to watch the, any of the Brown Maryland game, or were you in the parking lot after that? No, we watched the whole game. We were intention of leaving at halftime, and said such a good game, you have to watch it. And it was that, that was that was that was fun fun to watch too. Obviously, a much closer game. Uh, I was pulling huge, huge to the Brown Bears uh, with you know, with all my friends that went there and. Now, you know, we got Jack, Jack, Jack Hayes back there. We got a great, great crew. I saw a big dog in the ta- in the parking lot. The Tom were fired up. Um, I thought that game was amazing. It's just, it's a shame to me that that uh, you know that they had to lose, but you know that's how it goes in, in overtime games. Mexico wins. Yeah, no, it's right. a great game. So, so watching that game, you know, obviously the heels jumped out to a nine-two first quarter lead on the back of Stephen Kelly, the finishing of Chris Cloutier, who, you know, look, to be honest with you, my ass still hurts because I sandbagged him three two weeks ago going into that Notre Dame game, said I <laughs> the Tar Heels don't play him very much, and what did he do? He went three and three as they blew out the Irish, only to come back and go nine and zero oh, and tie Gary Gate and my boy Ollie Marty's. Uh, single-game tournament record. So I, I just got to sandbag them one more time to help them get <laughs> over the hump. So I'm going to say, just I hope they bench Chris Cloutier. Now it's documented. Uh, <laughs> and, and so this, this ideally will allow him to take one more step and secure the MOP of the weekend and hopefully what is Joe Bresci's first NCAA championship uh, as the head coach of the North Carolina Tar Heels. But uh, back on track, what specifically about Maryland scares you when you're watching them play yesterday as it relates to a lead-in to tomorrow's game? I just think that their their offense is, is pretty good. They got a lot of seniors on the team, and I think senior leadership is huge in any any team when you can get when you can get that. I, I forget the number, maybe nine seniors that are that are contributing on a daily basis. I mean, that the senior group is uh, really really good. And then this kid Rambo, I you know he grew up in Philly. I saw him a little bit in high school. I just think he's relentless, uh, really strong lefty, and keeps uh, you know keeps going hard to the cage. But I, I think the midfield you know the midfield play is, is pretty balanced. Um, Rambo's a really good lefty finisher, sort of like sort of like Cloutier's for us. But um, I just think that they're, they're deep with with uh, with a lot of experienced guys, and that to me is, is, is scary. Do you see Do you see any uh, potential weaknesses in Carolina's game going into uh, the game against the Terps? Do you see anything that might concern you 
things that Brash might want to clean up in 24 hours before the game uh, that, you know, you could see as being a potential hindrance to them winning a national championship. My, my thing, and you know, I say, even with my kids I'm coaching, is take care of the ball. you got to value the ball. And, and I think we just got to, you know, they, I think there's a fine line of playing really, really fast and hard and then making those unforced errors, but you're playing, you're playing at a high level, so that's okay. Um, I just, I, I think that that's what I'm looking, you know, you got it, you got it. I don't think they have the weaknesses. They got to play confident. Um, I, I'll tell you two keys to the game for me are, you know, are the face-off X. Stephen Kelly is absolute bones is a beast. And when he's yeah, yep. fighting, I mean, the kid doesn't even stand up for his GB. He just stays low and just hovers and gets it. And then uh Balkum and goal. That's a big spot. He's, he's coming on strong. We all know he's a great goalie. And he's showing showing how good he is, you know. But he's seen he's seen a lot of rubber. So I, I just would like to I'd like to have an early lead, and uh, I want I want to I want to win the faceoff, and I want to win the uh, goalie goalie play. I think an, I think an early lead is critical with you, Denny. And you know what? I think you are going to win the faceoffs. Um, you know, I, the thing that I love about uh, the thing that I love about Stephen Kelly, and we had Bresh on uh, last just leading up to the game last week, is I love how Stephen Kelly competes for the ground ball after the ball is out, particularly after he doesn't necessarily control it. I drew a parallel to Stephen Kelly being sort of a cross between R.G. Keenan, who recently graduated from Carolina, who was one of the best technicians you know, during his time down there in Chapel Hill, uh, you know, before the whistle, and then after the whistle, it seems like he turns into Craig Haslinger. Not a yeah. bad combination. <laughs> not, um, not, not, yeah. not bad at all. Not yeah, bad not bad at all. I, I think he's going to help you guys secure possessions. Now, obviously, Maryland's defense has been arguably the strongest in the country. Um, you know, and I think, but I do think it's critical that with the way that Maryland plays offense, that you guys get out to a a lead, because that way, you know, you're going to ideally force the Turks to come after you a little bit, depending upon you know how the game progresses. But I think that's a really good point. Um, intangibles of this Tar Heel team, it seems like Joe Bresch and his staff have these guys playing their best at the most important time of the year. To me, that's, you know, the definition of a great coach. Um, You know, what do you attribute sort of the uptick in the way that these guys have played in the last two weeks specifically? A lot of people were skeptical of whether or not they would make the tournament. I frankly thought they deserved to make the tournament. Um, both Ryan and I felt that they should have been the seeded team instead of Marquette, but there were naysayers that felt that, you know, maybe North Carolina didn't deserve to be in the tournament. They jumped out to a lead. I think it was a six, three lead. And then I left and they ended up holding on and beating Marquette by a goal. And then it seemed like they really exploded in their next two games. What, what do you, what reasons do you come up for that? I think, first of all, you know, Joe's, Joe's model is family academics lacrosse and family being first. I, I, I know for a fact that these guys love playing for Joe and the coaching staff, but they also love playing for each other. Uh, they're, they're just, they're just, the camaraderie on the team is off the charts, from, you know, from what I've seen when I'm together with them. Um, so these guys are playing for each other. They're, they're making each other work harder in practice. Uh, so I think that you know, listen, they they they've getting it. They they take no pressure. They, you know, a lot of, there's been a lot of pressure on previous Carolina teams, especially the last two years. This year, all the pressure was off. They went out and just played for themselves, played hard, and I think they're starting to figure out. Everyone's got their roles down. You know, everyone's getting getting their roles. It's not it's not one or two guys are going to stop them from getting to the next. You know, getting the next W. They they got a lot of different players that can hurt you. 
and I think that that more balanced attack plays well for our for our system. But I think it goes down to you know Joe Brescia is the man. We know that, and uh, he, yeah. he's he's very consistent in his approach with everyone, and uh, he he wants these guys these guys working hard, and I think they're doing that, and they just got to play smart. Uh, okay. So last, I got I got one last question, and then I'll turn it over to RD to close us out. Uh, yep. Personal question, Dennis. Uh, overtime game, North Carolina, pick up the ground ball. Uh, who would you least like to see in front of you defending you? Uh, <laughs> in order of least desirable to most desirable, with there being a little bit of laughter after most desirable. A, Dave <laughs> Petromala, B, Pat McCabe, or C, Stephen Kisslinger. I would have to I would have to go with uh, Pat McKay because uh, I could not cradle righty with that kid. I had to, I had to put stick on my left hand with him. He got me a, he got me he got me a lot on that. Um, that butt end dig, butt end dig. He got me a lot on that. But then I figured all I had to I had to keep my left hand so I'd run left handed circles around him. And I finally you know last year I finally got to catch up on him. Um, but he he was he was relentless and just you know just an amazing defender. Um, and I went up against him a lot more than I did against Petro. I didn't. I, luckily, I didn't draw with Petro. You know, Red drew Petro, so I didn't have to go one on one against Petro. So I can't, you know, say I went up against him as much. And then Kiss was a beast, but you know, Kiss was a little wild, a little much a wild card. You know, you, you don't know what's com- coming out with him, but just keep running and tuck it, and you're usually okay. Was was my was my friend Joe Sledo in that class or no? Now, I, listen, before you answer that. I know that when Joe covered you, that's the Needham Needler, Ryan, that when Joe yeah, covered yeah. you in Duke, that he used to slash you a lot. So this is your opportunity to take a shot back. Was Joe Saletto in that group with Petro McCabe and Kiss? I think I told you. No, he's not in that group. He was the biggest <laughs> hack I went against. He's not in that group. <laughs> the biggest <laughs> hack I went against. That's my, that he didn't again? go for my I, stick. He went for my hip bone. That was garbled. Could you say that again? <laughs> Is he in the room? <laughs> no, he's not in the room. You're safe. Joe You're in Saletto. Pennsylvania. He lives in Massachusetts. All right, then maybe. Okay. <laughs> We've. Uh, oh my God. Come on, and with some color. Uh, on Joe Saletto? Yeah. <laughs> I told you he was the biggest hack I went against. He freaking went after my <laughs> hip bone versus my stick. He wasn't going for my stick. Never. He was going to slow me down with his stick. That's not a defense. <laughs> That's not a oh, Dennis, I love it. You just you just season. never cease to make my day and you just made my day. You made my whole weekend with that one. That is just great. Um RT, close us out here. All right, Denny. So the lines are out for the game tomorrow. It's Maryland is favored by a goal and a half on your tar heels. The over under is twenty four and a half goals. What if you're going to Vegas right now and you're dropping cash? Who are you picking for this game, uh, and what do you got for the over/under? I got I I gotta go. I got obviously I'm going heels. I I go heels all day long. I think they're playing really really well. I'm sick of the twerps. I'm really not a big twerp fan. Then I'm pissed <laughs> off that they left the ACC to go to the Big Ten. That's bullshit. Yes. Going for the money. All right? <laughs> this is bullshit. You know what? They deserve nothing. I want them to just get pounded tomorrow. Um, so I'm oh. going with the heels big. 
And I have to probably go with the over, just with uh, the, these guys, you know, running gun. The old school, running gun. You know, forget this. You know, slowing, I'm, slowing it down. I'm old with school, you. I gun. like the heels and the over as well. Yeah, got to like That's it. good stuff. That's really good stuff. Well, Denny, we really appreciate your time. Uh, you know, obviously, are you going to be at the game, obviously, tomorrow? Absolutely. We've got a huge, huge, huge another tailgate third. <laughs> I hope I'm, hope I'm right. doing all right. <laughs> right, right. Well, Denny, good luck tomorrow. If you see Denny Goldstein, give him a high five and a chest bump. He'll be around with all of his 91 buddies who won a national championship. Uh, again, thanks so much for coming on, and good luck for the Tar Heels tomorrow. Right, thanks, get guys. Towels out for, get some towels out for Chop. Go women heels. Women heels. Lady heels down test. one zip right now. Let's go. All right. Heels, all right. heels sweep. Go. Good luck, Denny. You're the man. Later. Thanks, guys. All right, last part of the show, of course, AT and I have to do our picks, and we're going to do them right now. Maryland favored by one and a half goals. Uh, the over-under is 24 and a half. Uh, AT, what do you got here? I know you already said you got the Tar Heels, but what do you got here? What do you truly wow. got here? You know what? Listen, I, I, I look at this game, and I look at just a old-school traditional rivalry. Uh, you know, one of the greatest in sports, let alone college across. And I, I, you know, selfishly, of course, I wanted Brown to be playing North Carolina. I really did. And, but I have to give credit where credit is due. And, you know, Maryland found a way to get it done. They have a 41 year elephant in the room. Uh, but let's not forget that North Carolina has a 25 year elephant in the room. And so I think there is a little more pressure on these teams than, um, you know, than, than, than people think. I certainly know there's pressure on Maryland, but I think there's also that same type of pressure on North Carolina to some degree. Uh, I, I'm just a big believer that the teams that are hot will continue to stay hot. And I think that even though the Terps have won 15 games in a row and are the most complete team in the country, I just believe that North Carolina is feeling it. They're playing uh, at such a high clip right now, I think that they're going to ride the success of early Stephen Kelly wins at the face-off X. I think Brian Balkum is continue, going to continue to step up. I think North Carolina is going to exhibit patience on offense to offset the patience that Maryland is going to show on their end, obviously. But I just think that in the end, the fact that Brown didn't quit and came back from a 12-8 to eight deficit to force the game up into overtime, I think that extra strength and effort that Maryland needed to get through that game to make it to Memorial Day to play against the Tar Heels in the national championship is going to be part of the reason that they run out of steam. So I like the heels outright. And I wow. like the over because I think the heels are going to be playing fast, uh, you know, off of transition, and I just uh, I, I think I think uh, I like the heels in the over. I'm going to go with the Terps, uh, and I know I lost both games yesterday. Brown covered, so therefore, even though I picked the Terps, uh, they still did not win on the spread. So uh, I'm picking the Terps again, though, um, and I'm picking the Terps even though I think one and a half might be a little a little aggressive. It's either going to be a, a six goal game or it's going to be an OT game again. Um, but listen. As much as Stephen Kelly, I love watching him play too, and I know that you're a huge believer in him. I am a huge believer in him. I want him on my team. The problem was is the kid Savio was winning every single faceoff. You and I were talking about it at the game. He was winning every single faceoff, and it yeah. looked as though 
Loyola just literally, they had like caps on their sticks. They literally couldn't keep the ball on their sticks at any point. And as a coach, like there's no adjustment you can make when you're first to the ground ball and you're the first one there and you're winning faceoffs. There's really nothing you can do other than look at your players and say, just, you know, calm down and, and, tr- and just make the play. That's the first time ground ball. Uh, and they right. weren't doing it. Um, and, but I do think, though, this Turk team is going to be a little different off the faceoff. Certainly you've got Henningsen, who's done a great job. Uh, you know, when he's been healthy, clearly he's back and he's been healthy. Uh, you know, Will Garall is definitely a different beast. Uh, I don't think, again, Will Garall uh, is the best. Will he made second he, team. Will, Will Garall is the best. He's, he should he, be first he, team. He was incredible. Year. And, yep. and to be honest, I think if Will Garall was going against Stephen Kelly, you'd probably have Will Garall winning all the faceoffs this I would. Kelly's and so, would. from that standpoint, I'm not really basing Henningsen's performance from his, you know, performance against uh, against Brown because I think Will Garall is that good. I just think it's going to be a different case. And I think that if Maryland goes ahead and uh, wins those draws, you're going to see a lower scoring game than you did certainly in the semifinals. Uh, I think you're going to see a slower pace. I don't think Carolina can handle the six-on-six against Maryland's defense. And I think that Maryland just wears away on you. They'll play fast, really weird. They'll play fast and maybe the beginning of the game or middle of the game. They'll get that three- to four-goal lead, and all of a sudden you'll just see them sit on the ball. And it's such a beautifully coached game that Tillman does. Um, yeah. I, I just think that they're the most experienced team in this, in this uh, field tomorrow. Uh, and yeah. that's why I have Maryland. But I also have the under as well. I think with 48 hours or 36 hours or whatever it is, turnaround – is going to cause Maryland to go into their old-school ways of just holding out the ball, scoring when they need to, getting that two-three-goal run, and then UNC is not going to see the ball for the rest of the game. So what, do you, what do you see? What do you see? What's the key matchup for you in this game? Because I see two of them. But what, what do you see as the key matchup? Well, the key matchup, obviously, we just stated is the face-offs, right? And who's going to dominate possession of the game? Um, I, I think. You know, typically when you look at matchups, you look at the one-on-one defense and attack, and I don't really see a key matchup there. You could look at Matt Dunn versus Pontrello, but I'm not looking at that so much. What I'm looking at is Maryland's offense versus Brian Volcom as the big matchup. Um, yep. Can Brian Volcom get an early couple saves to give him enough confidence? Because I can tell you this, if he doesn't get those first couple saves, it might be a long day for the Tar Heels. So that's where, and I know it's a non-traditional matchup, one-on-one matchup that you might be thinking of, AT. Uh, but I really think the game comes down to if they're going to go 50-50 at the face-off X, then Brian Volcom is going to do their best job on getting a save that he shouldn't be able to make. He needs a couple of those during the game. So that, that would be my look outside of the obvious face-off factor. What, what were your big matchups? I see, I, a, a matchup I'm looking forward to watching is uh, going to be – the Carolina midfielders versus the defensive midfielders for Maryland. I think the defensive yes. midfielders for Maryland are arguably, you know, the best out there in terms of defending. Um, right. You know, well, that's what Doc I, so said, looking, right? In his interview, I, I, right? Doc said that, right? Yeah, and, and I think it's really – I think it's, you know, listen, Doc knows, knows sports as well as any, anybody, not just lacrosse. Doc knows, you know, sports as, as well as anybody. He really does. And I think I'm interested in seeing uh, Tagliaferri and Dan Seglio go head-to-head, assuming that they're going to pull tags. And if you don't pull tags, uh, you better be ready to scrape the ball out of the goal four times because he's going to beat you. <laughs> he is. I mean, he's going to beat you four bombs off the dodge from 15 yards. So I think right. you have to pull 
tackling the ferry, which puts, um, you know, uh, Isaiah Davis Allen on Shane Simpson is, is probably the way that it works out. And I, and I think that in itself is also going to be a very good matchup. And then I go down to the other end, and you have to look at, you know, Matt Rambo. Matt Rambo, to his credit, has played like a first-team All-American, particularly in these playoffs, but down the stretch of second half of the season. Now, you were, you were, you've been I'm a, I'm a big Rambo of fan. His. I'm a you big have Rambo been, fan. And, and you've said it, and I, I didn't agree with you at the level that you were praising him, but I have to say I'm, I'm mistaken uh, after watching him compete here down the stretch of this season. I just think that, look, he, he's the field general for the number one team in the country, a team that has a great shot to win the national championship tomorrow. And as much as I love Doc and Rock and Frank Raiden and, and, and Todd Evans, all these guys, you know, I just, I want the heels to win because I want Joe Bresci to win. Um, you know, but, but at the same time, if John Tillman and those guys win, I'll be happy for them. Uh, but I, but I want the Tar Heels to win, but I look at the other end of the field and I see Matt Rambo as the best offensive player on the best overall team and, and the guy that makes them go. So right. how do the heels defend it? You know, is it Austin Pifani? Is he the guy that ends up drawing Matt Rambo? Um, best you know, friends, or, by the way. Best friends. What's that? They're best friends. They grew up together. They're best so friends I, in all the clubs. And, you know, uh, I, I, and I would give that advantage to the offensive player, seeing that I dominated the Needle Needler in practice and we were best <laughs> friends. Um, so, you know, but, but, or do they put Jack Rowlett on him, who's a little more physical, you know, but more, maybe more prone to penalties if he's covering their lead initiator? You know, those are going to be some really, really interesting matchups. Um, I, you know, as much as Pontrello is probably going to draw Matt Dunn, is he going to end up? I, I think he's. T- I think he's. Met, I think Pontrello scores goals on anybody. I mean, this is going to be a really, really, really good game. The only difference I see between Pontrello and Rambo is I just think Rambo does a better job of making his teammates better when he has the ball in his stick as a distributor. Whereas yeah. Pontrello, I feel like, is a is a more of a goal scorer than he is anything else. I don't see Pontrello dodge and feed like we do Matt Rambo. Matt Rambo is a true playmaker to me. Um, yeah. You know, when it's his ability to get to the goal on a pole and score, so you have to slide, that sort of can trigger their offense, where I'm yep. not so sure that, that Pontrello makes a defense pay as much as a playmaker when they do slide to him. But I do think that he's an equal threat to score you know, off the dodge. I just don't think that he's as scary of a playmaker, you know, as Matt Rambo has proven to be, uh, or obviously the way that Pat Spencer has proven to be. So right. uh, a lot of, a lot of uh, subtopics in this game for sure. There is. Well, if you're a fan and you're in Philadelphia, you're in the tri-state region, head down to the link, uh, check out the national championship game. I can guarantee you there'll be tickets available. Um, but as always, we're signing off. Uh, we'll be back early next week to cover the games, probably midweek, probably right around Wednesday or so. Um, And we'll be back to cover this one. We've got a great show lineup going into the summer. Uh, As Connor Wilson let us uh, let everyone know that we will be doing this year round. So this is not the end of us. So if you hate us, uh, I appreciate the listen. If you love us, I also appreciate the listen. Uh, We do, but um, stay tuned for more. Uh, That's it for us. But thank you very much. As always, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. Check us out on Twitter at InYourFaceLax. Enjoy the Memorial Day weekend lacrosse. 
Uh, check out the national championships uh, on Sunday. And, of course, the Division One national championship tomorrow. Uh, thanks a lot. Maximize your comfort.